If you'll turn in your Bibles to Galatians, the sixth chapter. And I want to read in verse 2 and on down to verse 5. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now today, as you know, we at the end of the service are going to honor our seniors that have graduated. And I always try to think of an appropriate message for them. And I'm not so bold and such an orator as to think, well, you know, this one message that I'll preach is going to change the direction of their life or whatever. But again, on the other hand, the Lord has designed the foolishness, as the Bible says, of preaching to impact the lives of God's people. So who knows? <laughs> Maybe it will make an impact. I hope it does. But I'm not just preaching this message to our graduating seniors. The title of the message is How to Lift Weights. <laughs> and I know you girls are thinking, oh, this is one of those masculine, manly type messages. Well, I hope you'll see it's more than just weight room type stuff. But the reason this is on my mind is because of a friend of mine who sent a message to my high school coach who passed away a week and a half ago, went to his funeral on Tuesday, Coach Lynn Wright. And I think of the men the people in my life who have had an impact on me. And aside from my parents and my grandparents, Coach Lynn Wright was one of the greatest impacts on my life. And not just me, but thousands of other boys, young men and families, you know, that played or were connected with him through football. So I'm going to read to you this, this very nice post that was sent to Coach Wright before he died, because this is where I get my message from. It just hit me whenever I was reading this. And this is from my friend Johnny Sullivan. He was a couple years younger, and we played football together. But this is from Johnny Sullivan to Coach Wright before he died. He says, Coach, I can't find the words to offer. Just know that my family is praying for you. You taught me discipline, how to support others, how to respect my elders, and how to be humble. And, of course, you taught me how to lift weights. <laughs> a way to measure success is by how many people you have made an impact on. You have impacted thousands. I'm going to go ahead and share this part just because it's funny. I watch football even today, and when I see a player with long hair, I say, Coach Wright would snatch the dreads off of that boy. <laughs> no way he would have played for Coach Wright. You always taught us not to do anything to bring attention to ourselves, taught us not to talk trash to others, and not to try to be in the spotlight. Just work hard and never give up. Thank you for all you did to teach me how to be a man. Love you and your family, Johnny Sullivan. I texted Johnny, and I told him, I said, man, I'm going I'm to use your text as a a, a jumping board, a springboard for my message this morning on how to lift weights. I could use any one of those things about where he speaks of how to respect your elders, how to have discipline, uh, how to be humble. All those things were such great qualities that, that I learned and others learned from Coach Wright. And yes, he would snatch your hair off or he'd snatch a ring out of your ear if a, if a boy showed up with a ring in his ear. Now, specifically though, my thoughts are on how to lift weights. And let me just tell you this little story. From my ninth grade year to my 11th grade year, we won five ball games. And I had four coaches in four years. And in my junior year, the coach we had had just played at Troy University about five years before, and he was into the weightlifting and understood the value of that when it came to building teams. You know, it, the days and years gone by where you just showed up on – in the fall and started practicing and whatever, those days are long gone. 
because everybody else is pretty much practicing year-round, and I'm not saying I agree with that, but at least training and weightlifting and stuff like that needed to be going on, and we were, we were pretty puny. We weren't very strong. But this coach I had in 11th grade began to implement a weight program. And on our farm, he got my dad and myself and my brother Chris, who had graduated, and we actually welded and built some of the weight benches. As a matter of fact, he asked Brother Asher, he and I still use, from me, not right now, but from time to time we still use at least one weight bench that we built when I was in 11th grade. So we must have built it pretty good. So we began to stock the weight room where I went to school with some new weight stuff because the stuff was like 15 years old. It was horrible. So when Coach Wright got there, that coach left. He was just there for a, a season, just a fall. And then when Coach Wright came in the spring, oh, man, I mean, weightlifting was on. It was on the menu. And he got us in there at least three, four days a week. And we were either weightlifting or running, and we had him in the spring, and then we had him in the fall, and completely turned everything around. I mean, we... We won more games in that year and were almost, almost got to the state championship. I mean, it was a fun year. Coach Wright made my senior year because of his leadership skills. And it, part of it had to do with lifting weights. He taught us how to lift weights. He taught us how to do bench press right, do squats right. He taught us how to bear the burden. So my thoughts this morning, especially when it relates to our young graduates who are going out, but also to everyone else, we need to know how to lift the weights of life. There's weights to be lifted. I use that example metaphorically. You're going to lift weights in this life. You've got a lot of weight that you're going to have to lift. And the question is, what kind of skills are you going to have to lift weights? Okay? I didn't know a bench press from a squat, you know, when I was seventh or eighth grade. But after I learned how to lift weights, I, it's like I was addicted to it. Now, I never took anything to enhance Y'all can tell I never did. You see pictures of me, I didn't. But I loved lifting weights. I loved doing that. It, it made you feel better about yourself. It got you into shape. And I loved it. I was one of those that just wasn't hard to get out of the weight room back in those days. And it carried on over after I went to college and tried to play a little bit in college and then moved on in life, got married. I'm mean, still continuing to work out. Still continue, To this day, I even still use the techniques and different things. If I do go work out, I can't right now. But what I learned about weightlifting carried me through many, many things in life. And what we learned spiritually about lifting weights, the weights of this life, the burdens of this life, it will carry us through if we will listen to the Word of God. Now I want you to think about types of weightlifting that you do in life. These graduates are fixing to go to school. Some graduates go straight to work. Those are weights that you have to live. Those lift. Those are burdens that you have to bear. School, work. One day, most likely, some, those graduates will get married. That's a that's a burden. That's a weight that has to be lifted. You get it? I'm not saying it's a bad. You know, there's good weights. There's bad weights. <laughs> what about tragedies and loss that we face in life? Setbacks. That's a weight that you have to lift, and you have to know how to handle it whenever it comes along. How to be godly men and women. How to be a godly husband, a godly wife. There's a lot of categories here that you can go into. How to be disciplined. You remember the text or the message that my friend sent to Coach Wright? He said, you taught us how to be disciplined. How to support others. How to respect my elders. How to be humble. How to have a successful marriage, a successful business. I mean, the list just goes on. What does the Word of God say about weight 
lifting, burden bearing, a lot. It says a lot about it. In Galatians, as I read to you in verse 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are times whenever we look to one another to help bear burdens. My good friend, who I told you is in the hospital, Chris Washington, I can't tell you how many days I'd be embroiled in something difficult, might be something in court, might be dealing with some issue or whatever, and just out of the blue sometimes, and not just him, but others have done this too, I'll just get a text, hey, I'm praying for you, just felt the burden to pray for you. <laughs> I have been in the ministry for 20 years, and I can tell you without exception, every single time that I have felt some unction from the Spirit about one of you or someone, I would just feel an unction. You know, I need to reach out to them. I need to pray for them right now. I'm going to text them. You know, this day and time, there's no excuse not to follow up on that type of unction. Because <laughs> you don't have to get on a horse and, and a wagon and drive to see them. You, or you don't have to write them a snail mail letter. You just send them a text. The other morning, somebody was heavily on my mind. And yes, I was going down the road. So no, Sister Tracy, I didn't text them. <laughs> but they were heavy on my mind. And about one minute later, that name pops up. Hey, brother, I need you to pray for me. Listen, child of God, if you're, if you're tuning your mind in any form whatsoever into the Spirit of God, into the Word of God, when those unctions come to you, it's time to reach out and help bear someone's burden. Amen. You see that? You better pray that you always have a man that stands in this pulpit that has a mindset like that. I mean, I know I often fail in that mindset, and I couldn't text the brother because I was driving. Because <laughs> you do have that voice thing, you know, you just speak into it. But that's kind of dangerous too because sometimes my southern drawl, it doesn't know how to interpret it, you know. I've sent some horrendous things to people. <laughs> they don't even know what the garble is that I'm saying. But anyway, at least they knew I was thinking about them. But that's a time to reach out and bear the burden for someone. You see, if the Lord lays on your heart someone, you say, well, how am I going to know what's going on with somebody else? You need to be connected. That's the purpose of the kingdom of God. That's the purpose of the church of God. It's to know what's going on. And I don't mean to be all up in somebody's business. I think I could ask for a show of hands today. You know, raise your hand if Brother Tim's been all up in your business. I don't think anybody would raise their hand. I don't think you look at me like, he's all up in my business. Now, if you want me deeper involved, you know I'll, I'll be there, right? But just to know what's going on with you in general, to care about your children and to, and to rejoice when they rejoice and you rejoice and weep when you weep, that's part of the ministry. You better hope that a man of God stands in this pulpit that has that kind of burden, you see? But it's not just for the man of God in the pulpit. It's for you to bear one another's burdens, see? And I think it's interesting in verse 3 that he says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You know, how does that go along with bearing one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to lay down your life for your brother or your sister. And you can't think too much of yourself and do that. You get it? <laughs> if you think too much of yourself, you say, well, you know, I'll pick and choose who I want to lay my life down for. This person's done me some nice things in, in life, you know, and maybe this person's related to me, and, and I, you know, I just kind of like this person. So I'll pick and choose how I lay my life down. That person thinks too highly of themselves. You get that? But if you're going to fulfill the law of Christ, it doesn't matter who it is. From the, the, the tallest to the shortest, from the oldest to the youngest, it doesn't matter who it is. 
The law of Christ is to lay down your life and help bear the burdens of brothers and sisters. You get that? You can't pick and choose. Let me ask you this question. Did Christ pick and choose who He was going to bear the burden for? Absolutely not. There was not a sheep that Christ would disdain to feed. And neither should I, as a minister of the Gospel, disdain to feed any sheep of God. And neither should you. <laughs> you see? But you've got to be involved. You can't pick and choose. Say, well, this will be good. This will be a benefit for me to lay my life down for this one. <laughs> That's what Paul's talking about. You think too much of yourself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall you have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Then he says, for every man shall bear his own burden. <laughs> you understand there are burdens that others just can't bear with you. You understand that? So, let's look at a few burdens. And we want to finish up with some, hopefully some examples this morning from a well-known character in the Bible. Hebrews 12 and 1 says that we should lay aside every weight, that's a burden, and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know, your mom or your dad or your grandparent or your friend cannot get you to lay down those sin burdens that you need to lay down. A lot of times mom, dad, grandparents don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm not talking to the, just to the young because this could apply to anybody. I, as your preacher, I can't force you to lay down the sin that you need to lay down. Right. A lot of times, I don't even know what your sin is, but I rest assured you've got it, and I do too. You can't come to me and make me lay down that sin. You understand that? That is what a child of God does in repentance. The question is, do you even know what that sin is? See? Sins that are so obvious, like sexual sins, fornication, you know, alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, I mean, hatred, variance, jealousies. I mean, think about those sins. I come to you and I say, look, now listen, I am commanding you right now. You've got to lay that sin of jealousy down. <laughs> Is that going to work? That person will say, who are you? You can't make me do nothing. I'm a red-blooded American. <laughs> You've got to lay that sin down, but you've got to look in the mirror of the gospel and see what your sin is. Amen. I tell you, that takes a brave person, a brave, courageous child of God to look themselves. We want to look somebody else in the eye and say, you fix yourself. You need to fix this. But the place that it starts is we look in the mirror and we say, I am a wretch. I am an affront to God. I have disgraced my master. The way that I do this or do that or the sin that, is, that has control of me in my life, the weight that I'm bearing with the sin in my life has got me completely incapable of honoring my Savior. So I'll just take that burden and I'll put it off. That's called repentance. Listen, I know whereof I speak. I can tell you about a young man, as Apostle Paul said, I speak as a fool. I can tell you about a man many, many years ago who was walking under certain burdens and bearing those burdens and carrying them with him. And I tell you, it was such a relief when those burdens came off. But I took them off. Mom and Daddy didn't take them off. Grandmother and Granddaddy, grandparents, they didn't take them off. I had to take them off. And it didn't feel real good. I mean, I was free. I was able to run. I think I've told y'all this before. But it, it bears telling in a sermon about lifting weights and bearing burdens. <laughs> the last time that I ever stepped on a stage to perform professionally was over here in Tuscaloosa at City Fest in 1999. 
It was the last time. I had some people mad at me. All those band members were mad at me because I'm, oh, Crazy Tim's going into ministry now. Well, Crazy Tim was going into ministry because that's where I should have been in the first place before I got distracted with all that other mess that Tim wanted to do. But I had always prided myself throughout those eight, nine years of, of wandering and playing music professionally and sometimes in front of thousands of people. That night it was in front of thousands. <laughs> I always prided myself I'll never be supported by an alcoholic beverage company because I don't drink. <laughs> that was my little hideaway place. As long as I'm not being supported by, you know, the alcoholic beverage company, then, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I've got this handled. Me and God's got this handled. <laughs> Maybe you're kidding yourself in some ways like that, like I was. So we get there that night, and there's two stages. There was the Budweiser stage, and there was the WTXT stage. And in all of my great conviction at that point in my life, you know, I looked at it and I said, man, you know, if they put me on the Budweiser stage, I'm just probably not going to play. But it's the last night I'm ever going to play. So, of course, I was on the Budweiser stage. And, of course, I played. You just had a big old Budweiser up there above it, you know. I never drank. It wouldn't be supported by those things. But that last time, as I was taking the weight of this burden that was on me off of me and getting rid of it, that last time, oh, what could it hurt? It's just one time. After eight years, it's not going to hurt anything. So I went on and I played and it was all over with. And I remember I felt like a, a person who had been a drug addict with the, the needle out of my arm. The drug was gone. I didn't have a need for it anymore. I remember crossing the bridge, going home and going, yes, it's over. That weight is gone. And Sister Tracy and I were living at that time with a little baby called Madison in the old house. And the next morning I woke up, I felt so free. I felt like somebody who just got out of a rehab. <laughs> and I walked out on the front porch, stretched out there. I said, it's a great day. It's a great day to serve the Lord. You know, I'm going all the way in the ministry now. Nothing will hinder my way. Satan has no hold on me anymore. So I walked all the way out there to the mailbox, you know, to get the morning Tuscaloosa News, the paper. I reached in there, pulled that Tuscaloosa News out, opened the front page, and guess what's on the front page of the Tuscaloosa News? Tim McCool Band plays at City Fest. Budweiser right across the top. <laughs> Satan's going to come after you any way that he can. And I can't tell you how many people after that saw that paper. They said, I saw you in the paper. I saw you, man. That was awesome. I saw you. And I was just like, God, help me. One time, one time, I let that alcoholic beverage company be my sponsor, if you will. That's how Satan works. Listen to me. I know whereof I speak. When you let those burdens of sin go from your life and you repent, you're going to have some friends mad at you who still continue to drink and carry on and fornicate and do all those types of things. They're going to be mad at you, but you're going to feel so much better. You're going to have clear vision. You're going to be able to see. It might not be friends in your life pulling you down. You know, the old saying, I think Brother Luke shared with us before, you know, if you look at a person and you see the three or four people that they're surrounded by, that's who that person is. You know, if it's fornicators and, and partiers and those that carry on with that type of stuff, that's who that person is. If it's liars and gossipers, that's who that person is. If it's, if it's godly people that are trying to do the right thing, and usually those people that are mixed up in those little crowds say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter because everybody's a hypocrite. <laughs> that's right. Everybody is a hypocrite to some degree or another. But there are people like me and some others here that say, I admit I'm a hypocrite. God help me. You get it? I admit I can be a hypocrite. Lord, help me. Save me from that. You see? Oh, have the courage. Graduate into repentance. Set yourself free from those burdens of sin. 
Psalm 38 and 4 says, For mine iniquities are gone over my head as an heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. Most of the time we want to blame somebody else with our problem. Look what they're not giving me or not doing for me or what I'm not getting that I want. But this right here is a, a man of God, a person of God looking to the Lord and recognizing my sins are too heavy for me. Aren't you glad to know that the Son of God on Calvary's cruel hill paid for those sins so you don't have to bear the burden of eternal weight of those sins. But child of grace, when you unload yourself from those burdens, oh how good it feels. Sometimes when I was younger, I used to have these ankle weights that you could strap on your ankles. Y'all know me, I've always loved to run. Especially when I was training and trying to be an athlete, <laughs> I'd put those ankle weights on, I'd go running, and man, after a little while, you just felt like you were running in quicksand. But kept on running, <laughs> kept on running. And then after you run about 15 minutes in those ankle weights, take them off, felt like you were doing a 4-3 in the 40. I mean, it felt like you were flying. You take those ankle weights off. Let me tell you, child of grace, whatever your age may be and whatever sin may be vexing you, when you take that weight of sin off and you say, how do I do that? Because you look to the cross, you look deep into the blood of Jesus and you see what He went through for you and how He was willing to lay His life down, then you can lay that sin down. You may have to find a different location and you might have to find a different set of friends. So did Brother Tim. I've been there. And it's worth it, and he's worthy. Okay? Notice he says, My wounds stink because of my corruptness and my foolishness. Psalm 55 and 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. That's also in 1 Peter 5 and 7 where he speaks of casting your burdens upon the Lord. It's almost a direct quote from the Old Testament. I want you to see that in 1 Peter 5 and 7. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now listen, I want you to think about this word casting. Because this is getting the wrong burdens off of you. This is getting the sin burdens off of you. And the troubles and the trials and the things that weigh down your mind off of you. There are several different meanings of throwing or casting in the scripture. This word right here, casting, it is the idea of a sudden motion or to fling something with a quick toss. And it differs from some other casting occurrences in the New Testament where it makes me think of a pitcher on a mound who is deliberately hurling a ball at a specific point. That's a different type of casting. That's a very specific throwing when a pitcher on the mound is trying to hit a target. Okay, And then there is also another word in the New Testament that just means projection, which just means like you just, just, poof, just threw something up in the air. So you've got someone who is flinging something down. You've got another casting that means to throw like a pitcher would throw at a mark. And then you've got somebody that just throws something up in the air. So it's specific, the word that is used here, it is to fling down, you see, to cast it down. Where? At the feet of Jesus. And somebody says, well, you know, if he's here, I'll sure do that. Let me tell you, child of grace, he is here. <laughs> he's here in spirit. <laughs> Maybe we're just not looking for him. Notice it says that casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. That word careth there where it says he careth for you, it means it matters to him. It matters. What you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, the burdens you're bearing, the trials you're facing, it matters to the Lord. But we often think, well, woe is me. <laughs> The Lord just doesn't care. Don't we think that? Let me tell you something, child of grace. The one burden that you never have to worry about bearing is the burden of sin that Christ paid for on the cross. 
You never have to worry about that. How many of God's children would do well to embrace that out in the religious world today that they're trying or retrying or retrying and retrying again and rededicating and trying to get it right again? I tell you, if you see the truths of the Scripture, you never have to bear that weight because Christ bore the heavy load as the song says. That's a weight you never have to bear. Praise God. Give Him glory for bearing the weight of your sin on the cross and it's paid for. See? But you've got some weight to, to unload from yourself. And that is those sins that so easily vex us. Galatians 6 and 2 speaks about a, a bearing appropriate burdens. He says, bear one another's burdens. And then he says, let every man bear his own burden. Listen. My wife and my children are not called to pastor this church. Y'all know that? Y'all understand that? It's me. <laughs> They're not called to preach. They have not, you have not, in years gone by, the folks that were here before, they didn't call my wife and my children to preach or to pastor this church. They call, the, the church called me. The Lord's burdened me to pastor. You get that? That's an appropriate burden for me to bear. Now, the Lord knows they helped me and they've assisted me. But just remember, if you get mad at me or you get upset at me because we have one of those one-on-one, eye-to-eye kind of talks, you know, don't take it out on them. They're not called to pastor you. <laughs> you get that? Take it out on me. I can take it, okay? I can bear that burden. The Lord's called me to that. Listen, Ecclesiastes 12 and 5, when speaking of old age rolling around, it says, this has always stuck with me, the grasshopper shall be a burden. You don't need to bear the burden of grasshoppers, right? Look, I'm sorry, Sister Tracy, but our house, our basement is filled with centipedes. Now, I, I'm not just talking about, well, we just got to let all those centipedes go. No, I've vacuumed it up two times. I've had it poisoned three times. And they just keep coming back from somewhere. <laughs> or the Asher's back there affirming that. He's seen it. You know, for a while you go in the basement, it was crunch, crunch. That's gross, isn't it? That's a fact. Sorry, Sister Tracy. It's all cleaned up now. Okay? So, look, I'm not talking about, well, you know, Brother Tim said we don't bear the burden of centipedes, so we just let them run over our house. I don't mean that. What that's saying is the older you get, the more you get upset about little things. The grasshopper shall be a burden. I'm thinking very carefully now about when and if I, at 51 years old, will get back on a ladder. <laughs> and Brother Jim's laughing probably because he remembers back there when I got on top of that ladder and I'm standing on the very top reaching up and doing stuff. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. I might fall. I'm, it's a little easier to break something. <laughs> and you older ones are going, he don't know what he's talking about. But I bruise easier. And even at 51, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I used to be proud of my bruises back when I played football. We wouldn't wear pads on our arms just to see how big and how bad a bruises we get on our arms and just show them off. Hey, look at mine. You know, now I'm like, oh, it hurts. I don't want any. The grasshopper becomes a burden. The older that you get, the littlest things will upset you. Whether you're old or young, make sure you're not bearing burdens that are inappropriate. It would be inappropriate for my family to bear the burden of pastoring this church. Although it affects them, no doubt about it. Because I do bear that burden. It would be inappropriate to bear the burden of a grasshopper. It's just not significant. You know, that's, that's the kind of people that strain in a gnat, right? But swallow a camel, okay? It's appropriate to bear the burden of work when you're, especially when you're young. Lamentations 3 and 27 says, it is good that a man beareth the yoke in his youth. You know why? Because you're getting older every day. 
10 or 12 years ago whenever I took over management of McCool Farm because Dad just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> that was a very foolish decision on my part. Should have hired it out. <laughs> but I, I, if I had to do that today, I might as well just go ahead and look for a casket. <laughs> I just can't, can't do it. Can't do it. I think about my dad out there working with him. And there was one time when we were changing oil on a truck, and he was in his late 60s, maybe early 70s. And Lord knows he was strong as an ox. And so we get up under there trying to get that bolt off, change the oil, you know, drain the pan. And, man, I was pulling and tugging. I was probably 40. I don't know how old he was, but he was way older than me. And I was tugging and tugging. You know, I'm tough, and I've worked out with weights. And Daddy gets down there, and he goes, boom. <laughs> man, I was, even to his old age, he was so strong. But there came a time when he could no longer work. The sickness caught up with him. You ever heard... The old saying, make hay while the sun shines. You need to work. That's a burden that is good to bear. And we're living in a society that hates work. God had work going on in the Garden of Eden before there was sin. He put Adam and Eve there to tend the garden. Work is good. Work is ordained of God. Work is a glorious thing. It's a glorious burden to bear, especially when you come to the burden of supporting a family one day. Think about it. Let me tell you, child of God, the most glorious burden that you can bear in this life of all the burdens, of all the weightlifting, especially now, and it's been that way for years, Matthew 6 and 33 said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The church of God, the kingdom of God must be a burden that you carry and that you bear. You take off those burdens of sin and you don't just walk around with no burden. You put good burdens on you. It is a good burden to bear the yoke of the church of God, the kingdom of God. How will the, the church go into the next generations unless somebody young takes the yoke over from somebody who is older? You get that? Amen. Oh, people say, well, I'm going to do this. And I, I've been there. I said, you know, there's nothing that I can't do. If I want to go and be this, I can go and be this. If I want to go and sing for a career, I can do this. But that's just not accurate. It's not, it's, that's disingenuous. We can't do just anything we want to do. We want to honor God with whatever we do. We can't just go anywhere we want to go and say, well, I'll just be whatever I want to be. We need to seek God and say, what would you have me to be, Lord? Is that not what the Apostle Paul did? Moments after he was born again, he looked up at the Lord after he realized it was the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that he'd been persecuting, that he'd been killing his disciples. And he looked up whenever he realized it, no doubt, in a trembling voice. And he said, what would you have me to do? <laughs> Ask that question of God. I tell you, my life changed when I finally started asking God the question, Lord, what would you have me to do? That is a miraculous experience. Just say, Lord, show me. You say, well, what if he doesn't answer right away? Then do as Moses did and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And you'll see the Red Sea part. Just stand still. Wait upon the Lord. He will show you. He may be seeing if you've got any patience. Don't be like me and say, well, what does Tim want to do? This feels good. I think I'll go after it. <laughs> That's trouble right there. Lord, what would you have me to do? 
Bear the burden of the church of God, especially these young folks, not only the ones that are graduating, but the ones that are in school. Satan is at every turn clawing at you from the underbrush of the pitfalls that are out there trying to pull you away from the kingdom of God. You know, things like evolution, uh, crazy ideas about gender confusion, and all of the, the different things that are out there, those hot topics. It's just a constant tearing at the people of God, especially the young, to try to pull them away from bearing the real burden in life. You see? It is the kingdom of God following the Lord. I think that was Maddie saying, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> I love it. School is a burden, is it not? You guys who are in school are going forward with school now into college or whatever. It's a burden. I remember the days of endless class and endless study. And y'all know me, I'm an outside person. <laughs> You know, I used to have to beg Brother Chris to go outside and play with me because he's sitting there on the couch reading the Lord of the Rings. And I didn't have to read the Lord of the Rings because he'd tell it to me later that night. He wouldn't shut up. <laughs> I know all the classics because he told them to me. <laughs> he was my storyteller. I had to beg him to go outside. I'd rip and run through the farm and he'd be in there reading because, you know, that's what he loved. That's okay. But I, it was against my nature to make it through school, let me tell you. I just had to switch my brain off from 10,000 other things that I wanted to do and, and bear the burden of, I've got to get through this. I'm not going to have egg on my face and not finish what I'm started. I'm going to finish it, but I'm going to have to get control of myself. I'm going to have to lift this weight. I thought it would never end, ever. <laughs> then get out of undergraduate and I think I'm going to do three more years of law school. This is so against my nature. I hate school. I hated it but it was an appropriate burden to bear. Now, there may be those of you that didn't bear the burden of school, but you bore the burden of going to work, and that's fine. But it's something you've got to bear. You see, it's appropriate in life to bear those burdens. <laughs> now, as we close here today, I've got just a few minutes. I want to share with you a couple of examples very quickly from 1 Samuel. And we ask the question, is David lifting the weight or is he not? We begin in 1 Samuel 17. You can turn there if you want to. It's very familiar. It's where a little 16, 17, 18-year-old boy, young man, faces off against Goliath. And he's not afraid. He goes out there with a sling and a stone. And he goes and he faces down the enemy, four, probably 14-foot tall giant, and he's not afraid because he's trusting in God. You get that? So how in the world can I make it through bearing this burden? By trusting in God and doing what's right. You see, people say, well, I just can't get it right. Well, what are you doing in life? Are you committing your works to the Lord? Your thoughts will be established when you do that. No wonder our thoughts are so crazy because we're not committing what we do to the Lord. You see? You can't go out and fill up on sin and do horrible things and sinful things and think, now, okay, now the Lord's going to guide me. Repent of those things. It clears up your mind. And then God says, now you can see clearly to do, continue to do what's right. See, that's the beautiful thing about God. You talk about replacement therapy. That is a, that is a thing among uh, psychiatric circles, psychologist circles. You know, replacement therapy is where you did do this and now you do something else. God is the master of replacement therapy. Because if he says in Ephesians, if you lied, start telling the truth. If you stole, get a job and give money away. <laughs> you know, if you hate, stop hating and love, you see. 
God is the master of replacement therapy. You don't just sit around and twiddle your thumbs when you serve the Lord. You get busy and commit your works to the Lord. And there's so much to do, child of grace. There's so much to do in the kingdom of God. But if you've never got those burdens off of you, you're too busy carrying those wrong burdens to where you don't even know what burden to lift. David is lifting the weight with the help of God as he faces off that giant puts the stone between his eyes. He falls down, cuts his head off. He's bearing the weight. Now look at 1 Samuel 19. I ask you the question, is David lifting the weight here? 1 Samuel 19 and verse 18. 1 Samuel 19 and 18. Here is David. And it says in verse 18, David fled and escaped and came to Samuel, to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelled in Naoth. Is David bearing the weight here? This is the guy who killed Goliath. This is the guy who trusted in the Lord and was lifting the weight, that burden, and and delivered the entire nation. Now the king, who he delivered, is trying to kill him, and David's running like a little scared puppy. It kind of reminds you of Elijah whenever he faced off the prophets of Baal and killed them all, and the very next day, he's on the run from Jezebel. That doesn't make any sense. You know why, as Shakespeare said, we are human, far too human. (laughs) That's just our nature. We fall right back into the pits after we get out of them. Have y'all seen that little video online of the sheep the guy pulls out of the pit, you know, of the long trench, and then the sheep gets right back out of it and jumps right back in the the trench? That is a funny one right there now. When I see that, I think of me. Well, I think of some of y'all too. (laughs) But, But I really think of me. We jump right back into the pit after we are freed from the pit. You see, David is on the run from Saul. And is he trusting? Is he lifting the weight? No, he's not. Look at 1 Samuel 21. And we're asking the question, is David lifting the weight or is he not? 1 Samuel chapter 21. It says, David comes to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David says to Ahimelech, he lies and says, The king has commanded me a business. Everybody knows that Saul's trying to kill David. But he lies. Is David lifting the weight? The burden of, the, of what he's bearing here? No, he's lying. And he says, Let no man know anything of the business whereunto I send you. It's like he's on a secret mission. And so he gets Ahimelech to give him the bread of the sanctuary, of the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, Jesus refers to this over in the Gospels, you remember? You know, David eats the holy bread, which is unlawful for a man to do. But he does it, and then David left so fast, he ran scared so fast that he didn't even have a weapon on him. David goes on the run with no sword, with no shield, with no helmet, with no sling. And so he asks Ahimelech, he says, you got any weapons here that I can borrow? Now, how great of a secret spy mission is this? You know, he goes on a secret mission, he says, he lies, and he, he doesn't even have a weapon. Come on. He's not a very good 007, is he? He's not a very good spy. And so Ahimelech says, well, you know, the only thing we've got here are those weapons of Goliath. And you know what David does? He takes Goliath's weapons. Can you imagine how big they were? I mean, I bet he looked ridiculous. You know, that sword was probably seven feet tall. And the spear was tremendous. Probably like a little baby with a helmet on if he put that helmet on, you know. He takes the weapons of the enemy because he's not bearing the burden. You get it? Not only that, you read about what happens. Eventually, all those priests there are murdered. Murdered! Because David came through there. 1 Samuel 21, and verse 10. 
It says, David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Do y'all know where Goliath was from? You remember? He's from Gath. He goes down to Gath. He goes to the enemy nation to get support. Let me tell you, child of God, when you face the trials and the troubles and the burdens of this life, you don't need to go to the enemies of this world for support. You don't need to go to the Goliaths and to get the weapons of the enemy. You need to come to those safe places where you know there are people that you can trust, like the church of God, like the people of God, like the Word of God. The Spirit of God will guide you. Why do we go to the wicked things of the world and think they're going to bring us some support and help us to bear these burdens? You don't want to do that. David goes down to Gath and he has to act like a complete fool to to save his life down there. 1 Samuel 22. David escapes to Adullam, and when his father and his, his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. <laughs> Out in the wilderness, there were about 400 of them. Uh, you want to add insult to injury? Look at verse 3. David went thence to Mizpah, to Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. <laughs> Imagine how his father and his mother felt. You're going to leave us with the king of Moab, who was an enemy? You see how David, failing to bear the burden appropriately, he's just causing all kinds of trouble. You get that? I've heard people say, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. That is such a lie. When somebody is enwrapped with sin and won't let it go and won't repent, they are hurting many, many people. You know what it is, a lot of times they're just so selfish and self-centered that they're not capable of looking around and seeing how many people they're hurting. God help us from that. We've all been there. (laughs) So David deposits his parents in Moab. And then notice in verse 5, it says, The prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. (laughs) Finally, a preacher comes along you notice, if you read through this, we don't have time to read it all, but you don't find David a single time at this point, until this point, connecting with God or asking God anything about helping bearing this burden. David could have stayed put in the place where Saul was, and Saul never would have touched him. Some of y'all got a real kick a few years ago when I talked about how Saul came to get David, and the Lord made him take off all his clothes, and he prophesied naked. <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing that happens whenever you're trusting in the Lord and when you're letting the Lord help you bear that burden. You know, the guy's coming to kill him. And the next thing you know, everybody's going, ha, 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 ha. Or, oh boy, that's embarrassing. He's prophesying naked. See, David's been on the run. He's not even asking God anything. God would have taken care of him right there. The prophet says, go back to Judah where you're from. What are you thinking? So he goes back to Judah. 1 Samuel 23, is he lifting weight? We don't have time to go into all this because we've only got two minutes left. But basically, in 1 Samuel 23, David finally starts asking God, what do I need to do? How can I lift this weight? How can I bear this burden? And God tells him, that's how good God is. Now, if that was you or me, maybe as a parent, we'd say, why didn't you ask me before? Right? I've been here this whole time and you've made all these bad decisions. Why didn't you ask me before? Let's don't be that way. Let's be merciful like God. Just praise God that they're finally asking about this or that, right? But one last place, 2 Samuel 11. You don't have to turn there. You know what's going on there. David should have been out fighting the wars. 
and he's there at home in the castle. He goes out on the castle top at night. He looks over there and sees Bathsheba. And she's bathing, which is ridiculous. She's out on the rooftop bathing, completely unclothed. But he sees her and he takes her and he violates her and he murders her husband and he takes her as a wife. By the way, you know, David had six wives. It's not like he didn't have a wife. He had six wives. You know, some men say, oh, I just can't handle the old ball and chain. David had six wives. He could have gone and visited with any of his six wives, but he is not bearing the load like he should. And he goes and he messes up his life for the rest of his life. Child of grace, listen to me, whatever your age may be. If you're not unburdening yourself with sins, David did not, and he messed up the rest of his life because he didn't understand what it meant to lay those sins down, to repent, and take on appropriate burdens like he did when he was 18 years old and he stood and he faced down the giant. I'm sure some of you, when you think of bearing burdens, you think of what Jesus said in Matthew, the 11th chapter, and I'll leave you with these words as we close. In Matthew, the 11th chapter, very famous verses there where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You got weights? You got burdens? Come unto me, he says. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling you that when you take the burden to Jesus, the burdens of life, the weight of life, it might be school, it might be family, it might be job, it, whatever it may be, trials, troubles, tragedies, riots, tribulation, whatever sin you lay it down and you get rid of it, when you go and you take that to Jesus, he doesn't have a little single yoke to put on your neck so that it's going to weight you down. It's a double yoke. You understand that? Like you put two oxen in and Jesus bears the yoke with you. That's not just a trite saying. You say, how do I do that, Brother Tim? Stop looking at the things of the world and look at this word. Look at what He's done for you. Look at the cross. Look at the blood that was shed. Look at the sacrifice He made. Look at how He humbled Himself. Look at how He respected His elder, His Father. Look at how He laid His life down at all costs. No turning back to pay for the sins of His people. And by the way, His people are you. <laughs> it makes the burden easy. It makes the yoke light. You see? The best place to start bearing that burden, if you've never done it, is to follow the Lord in New Testament baptism. I hope what we've said here today has been profitable. I hope that we see how it's appropriate to bear certain weight, lift certain weight in this life. And it's not appropriate to bear other types of weight that will bring you down and destroy you. And when you bear the proper weight, you are not alone. Christ is bearing the weight and the load with you. Whatever your age may be, if it's home issues, if it's work issues, if it's you're troubled about what's going on in the country, let me tell you, the Lord will bear the weight of whatever you're dealing with. But you got to look to Him. you got to bring it to Him. And as it said, cast it down before Him. May the Lord bless us to do that.